How shock patients die. Disseminated intravascular coagulation, DIC. Disseminated intravascular coagulation, DIC, can be defined as a widespread hypercoagulatable state that can lead to both microvascular and macrovascular clotting and compromised blood flow, resulting in multiple organ dysfunction syndrome. As this process begins consuming clotting factors and platelets in a positive feedback loop, hemorrhage can ensure, ensue, which can be the presenting symptom of a patient with disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Disseminated intravascular coagulation typically occurs at an acute complication in patients with underlying life-threatening illnesses such as severe sepsis, hematologic malignancies, severe trauma, and placental abruption. Determine the consequences of disseminated intravascular coagulation and the overall mortality rate of, of disseminated in, intravascular coagulation remains difficult as patients with this condition have also have additional diagnoses that can cause many of the signs and symptoms consistent with disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, particularly if they are also suffering from acute or chronic liver failure. While concomitant disease states can obscure a patient's diagnosis, mortality rates have been shown to double in septic patients with those with severe trauma uh, if they are suffering from disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Etiology. Multiple medical conditions can lead to the development of a disseminated intravascular coagulation either through a systemic inflammatory response or the release of propocoagulants propo into the bloodstream. And the pathological process of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy has been estimated to occur in up to 30 to 50 percent of cases of severe sepsis, which is the most common cause of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Cla classically disseminated intravascular coagulopathy has been associated with gram-negative bacteria sepsis. Through the prevalence of this disorder in sepsis due to gram-negative organisms may in fact be similar. Other causes of sepsis, including parasites, can also lead to disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Up to 20% of patients with metastasized adenocarcinoma or lymphoproliferative disease also suffer from disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, in addition to 1-5% to of patients with chronic diseases like solid tumors and aortic aneurysms. Obstetrical complications such as placental abruption, hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, and low platelet count, also known as HELP syndrome, and amniotic fluid embolism have also been known to lead to disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Other causes of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy include trauma, pancreatitis, malignancy, snake bites, liver disease, transplant rejection, and transfusion reactions. About 15.5% of cases with disseminated intravascular coagulopathy has also been linked to the complications occurring after surgery. Pathophysiology, also referred to as consumptive coagulopathy, disseminated intravascular coagulopathy involves the homeostatic imbalance between coagulation and bleeding. Tissue factor, which may be released into the circulation from va vascular endothelial damage from trauma or certain cancer treatments, Bacterial endotoxins or cytokine exposure activates coagulation factor 7 and 7A in the coagulation pathway. Via the extrinsic pathway, thrombin and fibrin are formed and result in the formation of clots in the circulation. As this process continues, thrombin and fibrin further impair the coagulation cath cascade through positive feedback loop stimulation and coagulation inhibitor consumption. Clotting factors as a result are consumed due to clotting, which can lead to excessive bleeding. Platelets may also be trapped and consumed in the process. History and physical. Components of a patient's history may be consistent with disseminated intravascular coagulation, include a recent history of severe infections or trauma, as well as hepatic failure, obstetrical complications, and malignancy. 
A remote history of deep vein or arterial thromboses may also be suggestive of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Patients may experience bleeding from multiple sites, including gingiva, areas of trauma or surgery, the vagina, the rectum, or through devices such as urinary catheters. Symptoms such as hematuria, oliguria, and aneuria may be seen in if concomitant renal failure from disseminated intravascular coagulation results. Likewise, end-organ damage to the lungs may lead to dyspnea and hemoptysis if pulmonary hemorrhage or pulmonary embolism is occurring and a patient may have a mental status change if either thrombi or hemorrhage in two areas of the brain arise. A patient could also experience chest pain if arterial occlusion of the coronary artery develops. Regarding signs and symptoms of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy on physical exam, obvious bleeding or frank hemorrhage in various areas of the body may be noted. Skin lesions including ecchymosis, hematomas, jaundice from liver failure, necrosis, and gangrene may also arise. Excessive coagulation may lead to widespread purpuropatechiae and cyanosis. A patient with disseminated intravascular coagulopathy may also experience acute respiratory failure or neurological deficits based on the location of the bleeding or clots. Evaluation. No single history physical exam or laboratory component can lead to a diagnosis of or rule out disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Therefore, a combination of both objective, objective, and laboratory findings should be utilized to make a diagnosis of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Laboratory findings suggested of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy include both an increased prothrombin time and increased partial thromblastin time, as well as decreased fibrinogen level as widespread activation and consumption of the clotting cascade occurs. Treatment or management. The treatment of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy centers on addressing the underlying disorder, which ultimately led to this condition. Consequently, therapies such as antibiotics for severe sepsis, possible delivery for placental abruption, and possible exploratory surgical intervention for trauma represent the mainstays of treatment for disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Platelet and plasma transfusion should only be considered in patients with active bleeding or a high risk of bleeding or those patients requiring an invasive procedure. Pearls. Disseminated intravascular coagulation can occur quickly, can lead quickly to multi-organ failure and death, particularly if early recognition and treatment fail to occur. A high index of suspicion of this high mortality disease in critically ill patients remain paramount to improve outcomes in patients with disseminated intravascular coagulopathy.